You're listening to the Ontos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Vod. And I'm Mac. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. I know your argument. We speak of the anticipation, of things foretold, of promises made by our greatest prophets of old. Of course the hero of ages will fit the prophecies. He will fit them perfectly. That's the idea. And yet, something about all this seems so convenient. It felt almost as if we constructed a hero to fit our prophecies, rather than allowing one to arise naturally. This was the worry I had, the thing that should have given me pause when my brethren came to me finally willing to believe. All right, chapter 39. We After that epic cliffhanger. Yep. At the, the end, end of part three. The end of part three. Penrod is king. King Venture is no more. I mean, I guess king, Alan Venture king is no more. Indeed. There is still, I guess, technically a king Venture. Um, but yeah. So we open up on exactly how Alan felt. We get a Straff point of view. Straff is absolutely terrified, still scared of Vin. He will not move against the city because Vin is still alive. But that does not mean that he's not scheming and planning. He's incredibly mad at Zane because Zane sent all of a batch of his best secret Alamancers to go assassinate. And he's like, you are an absolute idiot, Zane. Vin's going to come kill me now. And you've already proven you can't stop her. You know, what are we going to do? And Zane is just like, listen, I have this under control. Everything's going according to plan, okay? But uh, Penrod comes out. They're meeting outside the walls. and It turns out that Penrod went behind everyone's back and made a deal with Straff. Basically that he was going to get himself elected, which is why he pulled uh, the merchants, as mentioned several times. Do not care who wins as long as the city isn't burned to the ground and they don't all die. And so because of that... They went. They turned against Set as well, and they were just like, "We'll all vote for Penrod, and Penrod will hand the city over to Straff." And you know, they don't care. They're gonna get the the merchants are gonna get the titles that they do, that they think they deserve, and then the noblemen are gonna be fine because they're gonna all have bent the knee to Straff, and everything's gonna go back to normal. Um, we have this moment again where Straff's like. You know, just strong-arming Penrod, making him go back to the formalities, my lord, everything, just kind of trying to put him into his place. And Straff makes some offhanded comment about Ellen and Penrod for, you know, still has defiance a bit here. And it's just like, no, I liked Ellen, you know. If there was any way it could have worked out with him being in charge, I would have preferred to keep it that way. But, you know, it's not going to happen, so that's what it, that's what's going to go on here. But, uh, yeah, Straff won't move until Vince put down... Ellen cares too much about legality to kind of rule everything. And uh, it turns out that at the end of this, Zane asks him what time it is. And Straff is like, well, it's this time. And he goes, wow, it should have worked by now. And Straff searches himself really fast and realizes that he missed the poison. And he's been poisoned. And it ends with him running back to camp, you know. He tries to keep his cool in front of Zane, but the minute he thinks he's away from Zane, he freaks out, gets back to camp tries to get an antidote and then he goes i've decided zane's too crazy i have to kill him and that's the end of the chapter so chapter 40 
I'm going to kind of rapid fire this one because going through it, I made a lot of notes, but they were very much about the kind of just subtle ways Vin was thinking about herself. And so instead of recapping all that, I'm just going to hit the high points. So Vin wakes up to Ellen watching her and her biggest fear is kind of reinforced here. You know, he explains to her that he's no longer king and she reaches out to, you know, comfort him and he flinches like just slightly. He lets her grab her, but he just flinches slightly. And she's like, dang it. We're never going to go back to the same now. You know, I mean, it would kind of be hard. I'd be kind of flinching too, a little scared if uh, my significant other head butted a person's head into exploding. But she thinks that it can no longer be done. Like it's over. We get Reen's voice again. You know, everyone's going to leave you. Everyone's going to betray you. It's fully back now. And it was sad because we hadn't, we've been getting little glimpses of it up until this point, but it's back. The trauma's on like trauma gates have opened and the flooding is coming back in. And it's just kind of awful. But Ellen leaves Vin to sleep again. And then Vin wakes again to Zane watching her sleep. And Zane, you know, goes into his whole explanation of like, what happened to you? This shouldn't have happened. You could have killed all of them with ease, all the Alamancer assassins with ease, if you were just not protecting Ellen. And not trying to protect everyone else by yeah. not shooting coins into the crowd. Yeah, exactly. And he lies. He tells her that he had nothing to do with the Alamancers being sent there when he does. But Vin had noticed something with the Alamancers, and he's just like, those were Set's assassins. Those were Set's assassins. Because she recognized the pewter guy that he she exploded mm-hmm. as being in, with Set at the dinner. And one thing that we know, coming from the outside, though, is that Zane had sent these assassins because he asked his father for the reserves. Is what he called them. So what these were was Straff had sent these he's out his Alamancers to infiltrate Set. That's what we're getting at least at this point. At least some of them, right? Some of the Alamancers were there. But um, yeah, so we get that whole spiel, and Zane's like, "Listen, you know, I don't want to see you or Ellen die." Like we've mentioned before, and what Zane said in the past, I actually don't. You know, Zane says, "I don't hate Ellen. I don't actually hate him. I don't want him to die," but. I care far less for him than I do for you. I don't want you to die. And he leaves her again and leaves her with a beat of ATM. So he gives her some ATM, which is crazy, right? Like we, they, Vin was out of it at this point. She was going to be in trouble if she ever came up against another Mistborn. And now she has that safety net again of being able to fight with another Mistborn. So we skip forward again and Vin's kind of looking around and kind of moving about now Tyndall studying with Sazed but the big thing here is that Vin goes to see Orsir and ask him about you know do you need a different body whatever and Orsir's like no I'm good with the dog body and I'm back with the dog body and they're good pals uh you can just tell now Orsir and Vin are good, good old pals at this point but Vin was like you know you I would be okay if you had the dog but or with the human body but if you want the dog bones go for it but he asked like she asks, why did you break your contract to save me? And he's like, well, I didn't break my contract. I just can't kill anybody. And I knew for sure it was a thug-burning pewter. I knew for sure me jumping and biting him on the back wasn't going to do a single thing to kill him. And so I did not break my contract. Uh, he kind of loopholed it there because that ultimately left led to the thug's death, but he did not break his contract. Well, they learn that, you know, they're talking, and Vin's like, you're not immortal, right? But, like... You can't be killed by, you know, stay, staves or swords or anything. And, and 
where she was like, nope, you're correct. I cannot be killed by them. And then she goes, she kind of has that thought, why are you afraid of Alamancers? And I don't think she asked him straight up, but she just kind of goes like, why are you afraid of Alamancers? And we're sort of dropping some juicy Condra lore here, right? We get the, we get this whole thought that the Lord Ruler created the Condra. The, they call the Lord Ruler Father, uh, which is super interesting. And why do the Condra follow the contract? He doesn't want to tell her exactly, but he gives her the roundabout answer, which is, well, do you think that the Lord Ruler would have created the Chandra without building in some way of controlling them? And that's all he says. And, you know, Vin's like, well, the Well of Ascension gave the Lord Ruler a deity amount of power according to the lore, right? And so with that, you know, is there a way that Mistborn could mess with them? And she tries to soothe Orsur and she uses Doralamon and Orsur just freaks out. It physically hurts him and he howls. And Vin starts apologizing like crazy, and Orser tells her, I screwed up. I said too much. You're not like the Mistborn today. You are, are like the undiluted Mistborn of the past. And that's where we're left with the end of chapter 40. So there's some little subtle things that uh, get dropped here. Subtle like, please give us a like, and please continue to follow us, and let people know we exist. Super subtle. Uh, we appreciate everyone who's been following along with us. Yes, thank you so much. Um, but uh, one of the big ones that I thought showed up was that she recognized, you know, one of the Alamancers, and she recognized him from being with Set. And it this is the I I never knew this until this second read through that his alum he had stuck his Alamancers with Set, um, like. The fact that she saw him in the dinner um, was like, oh, okay, that he that makes sense. Like Straff would probably have someone he trusts with them, but yeah, like an Alamancer too in the group is crazy, right? How are you going to pick them out? Because I was confused at first because I was like, we she definitely recognizes him as having been with Set, but that makes sense now that like he probably was hanging around him and Set didn't had no idea that um that he was Straff's son essentially. Yeah, because we talked about this, Straff specifically mentioned, and you know, he had all these children to get more Alamancers, but he had them all in secret. And it made me wonder, like, what was he? Where where were they? Like, I I, I thought that he just like had them somewhere. So now, like in the second read through, I'm like, oh okay, he probably has them doing things. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but. The one thing that Straff confirmed for us, because I think in I think in Final Empire it mentions it, but he confirms here there's an ATM deficit. Like he knows like how much ATM got mined out, and he knows how much ATM got dispersed to other people, and it's not nearly the same amount of ATM that got mined because he was control of the mines. So he knew he knows that there's a bunch of ATMs sitting yeah. somewhere. Um, and so he kind of just confirms that he's like, yeah, they might not know where it is, but I guarantee you it's somewhere and it makes sense. No, it, there's no other place it would be other than like in Luthadel. Yeah. Right why, next to the Lord Ruler. Why wouldn't the Lord Ruler be personally keeping an eye on the stash of ATM? So he's like super convinced of that, that, but, uh, it's kind of interesting how he's like, okay, now Zane has to die. He's realizing like, he's just going to be out of control and there's only so far he can be able to take with him. Yeah, because he was thinking in that moment, you know, I didn't go too in-depth in it, but he was thinking, what if Zane was jealous of all of his bastard brothers, right? Mm -hmm. you know, I can say that word, right? We're allowing that yeah. one to slip through. <laughs> um, is uh, is 
jealous and just sent them all to their deaths because he was jealous. And he's like, oh, man, if that's the case. Cause he, funny enough, Straff doesn't even know Zane's master plan at this point. We can see it zooming out, right? Like, if that's true, he had one of the he had one or two of the uh, of his alamancers in mixed in with Set's alamancers. Then it would make so much sense now that when they attacked, he's gonna frame Set. Yeah, and, and but but Straff doesn't know that's what's happening right now. Right, right, and and the thing is is that he's just realizing that. It could be all this, it could be that, but he's not. He this could be the first sign that he's losing control over him, and he's just too dangerous to keep around. So, I mean, that's kind of neat. Um, but the big stuff that came on here was that there's something to do with Chandra, and now we know it has to do with emotional alimenty. Um, which, admittedly, even on the second read, it seems to kind of come out of left field. That Ven was like, mm-hmm. hmm, let me try emotional elements. Yeah. As why, opposed to, like, anything else. Why did she guess it right on the first try? Um, I mean, it, it would have made sense to me that it's like, hmm, hmm, let me try the bronze. Let me... I have a thought. Hmm. I have a thought, right? Maybe she'd made that guess because Orsur is consistently saying that Chandra cannot be affected by emotional alamancy. Oh, yeah. And then she was thinking, like, well, just like a, we, you're not supposed to be able to pierce a copper cloud, right? So, yeah. hmm, I wonder. I mean, it, it, it wasn't like, I don't, I guess for me, it didn't seem like it was a perfectly good transition. But um, the other thing that, that kind of gets thrown away out there was she, he's like, you're like the alamancers of old. You know, yeah, uh, like uh, Alamancers used to be more powerful before their power was diluted. Well, something like it's just like I mean, that's what he said. It used to be before their power was diluted. It was yeah. So I I just thought that was fascinating um, mm-hmm. because he was talking about uh, that he's also like really really old. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't say how old, but he definitely said he said I don't remember. You know the ascension, so I'm not that old. So he's not a thousand years old, but he's probably hundreds. Um, yeah, and we talked about it right with the dilution of power. We knew that from the first book. We knew that when the the Inquisitors were talking with how powerful Vin is, right? And they're talking about how it takes an incredibly pure bloodline to have a misborn of this caliber in the first book. Yeah, but it wasn't like overtly stated that the previous Alamancers were like as a group generally stronger. You know, um, now now it was so now so that, that's just an interesting like tidbit on Alamancy that got that that got pulled up here. Um, they, it, they call the Lord Ruler Father. They call the Lord Ruler Father. Um, we have. Um, it's just kind of like this whole like conjure stuff that's like like being dribbled out here. This is one of those you know Brandon answers one thing and give, leaves you with five other things. It's like okay, so now we find out why there you know there's something to do with emotional alamancy that I guess causes a bunch of pain, but it's like a significant influence on them. So that explains like why they would be super worried about um, uh, the Mistborn. And it would be just Mistborn. Like that's why they wouldn't have any problem with Breeze because Breeze has no way of doing essentially Duralamine push of Mm -hmm. emotional alamancy. Um, And he even said like, you're not even supposed to have been able to do that. Uh, Lord Ruler obviously had essentially no limit to how much he could use his alamancy. True. I mean, he was literally pulling metals on the inside of someone's body with which, his pulls. Which wasn't supposed to happen. And the only time that happened was with him. And then when Ben somehow was able to get missed to like help her out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have like maybe Duralamine would be some another equivalent. Uh, so it is only Mistborn. And it's Mistborn who are able to use Duralamine um, or... 
the Alamancers, because before he even said he, it wasn't even Mistborn. He said you had Alamancers. Mm-hmm. So pr- pr- most likely the ones used to be able to do emotional Alamancy that strong back in the day. Wow, that's crazy to think. So, I mean, like we're getting all sorts of new details as far as um, what's happening with or, or what ha- has happened in the past uh, since the Contra had been around uh, for so long. Um, One thing that's super interesting here, right, is uh, when, when Orser mentions that they call the Contra father, Vin immediately goes, oh, so you hate me. You know, I killed your father. Why can't you hate me? He just goes... I think it was really interesting, his point of view. He's like, could you not love one's father and still disagree with everything he was doing? Could you not recognize that uh, you love your father and still agree that they could be a horrible person? Yeah, and like, again, Brandon is so good at answering the question and then making you ask so many more. And I'm kind of at the point now where I go, are we going to kind of get more of a lore drop the same way that pharaoh kimmy does in the sense that are we going to learn a lot more about the chondra too because they seem so interesting right it seems like like brandon brandon is building them up to be something bigger than they actually are and i'm so curious to see you know what that information could be down the road but uh coming up in the next bit here we get to see our two favorite scholars or at least my two favorite scholars tendril and sazed trying to figure out exactly what's going on in the epigraphs that we've been reading up to this point Hey everyone, Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.